within a GP practice, you may run into different individuals whose roles do not start with doctor. Now, you may be wondering how that is so, but sometimes you may see a nurse, you may see a physiotherapist, you may see a paramedic technician. There are many individuals who you may see in a GP practice. In today's podcast episode with Dr. Selva, following up from the last one, we discussed the many roles and the many solutions which are actually in place at the moment and are being trialed to see how effective they are in supporting the whole healthcare system as well as primarily primary healthcare. So I hope you enjoyed the second part of the podcast. As always, I am Farouk Bello, host of the Rooks podcast. I hope you've checked out the previous episode. But again, I bring to you Dr. Selva. second part of the conversation uh if you haven't heard the first one strongly recommend you do it will carry over very nicely into this now we're going to make this a nice short podcast episode where you can get some nice quick information about some of the uh, i know doctor you do trainings particularly for you know additional roles in primary health care primary health care is very big very very big there are different elements of mm. primary health care gps of practice are one of them probably a lot of people are very familiar with anything primary health care the first thing they think is gp practices I, as a physio, I'd come as MSK outpatient. I would also classify myself almost in that MSK primary healthcare setting because a lot of my patients, they haven't talked to anybody first. I'm the first person they're seeing. Now, yeah, you mentioned additional roles. I'm familiar with roles such as, you know, FCPs, first contact practitioners, physios, uh, you know, a bit of nursing practitioners, for example. And you were mentioning pharmacy, pharmacists who are now in that role. Can you expand a bit more on how this can be one of the things we should look into uh, overall as well as the healthcare system? Can you expand a bit more to that? Absolutely, um, absolutely. So, so when 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 I talk about Team GP now, I'm not talking about GPs. So that was so. If you just wanted to talk about Team GPs being GPs, that was about 20 years ago. So in the in the late 1990s, early 2000s, it's mostly GPs, nurses, and maybe a healthcare assistant uh, with, with, a, with a receptionist and a manager. Now, modern primary care, modern GP practice is very, very different. So it's completely changed in the last five years. Team GP is now GPs, FCP, so first contact physios, pharmacists, we've got paramedic practitioners, we've got nurse practitioners, advanced nurse practitioners, we've got nurses, and we've got pharmacists, we've got social prescribers. Um, so, and then we've got mental health link workers. Um, we have midwives based in our surgeries. Um, so it's almost like a mini hospital now. So, so we work in multidisciplinary teams now. It's very different. So in my, in my role, I actually have, my role has evolved uh, into a GP consultant or like a primary care consultant type role. So what I do is I work with teams and I lead some of my junior team members, um, whether that's GP trainees, whether that's pharmacist trainees or nurse practitioners and 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 the um, and the others. And I'm there to offer them support. So it pretty much works very similar to how a hospital consultant will be leading and working with their team. So that's what yeah. Team GP is. And this, this was brought in by some, something called ARRS, Additional Roles Reimbursement scheme so this was um, a scheme that was set up about three years ago um, when um, primary care networks were set up the primary care networks are where a group of GP practitioners come together to work more collaboratively and sharing resources including 
these clinicians. And um, and that's actually led to an explosion of uh, clinicians. We've got about 10,000 of them working within GP practices across England now. And it's actually diversified the team, added such richness. So um, we've got an amazing physio within my team. Um, I'm so thankful for her. any kind of acute joint pains, any um, management she gets seen. Um, sadly, her appointments get tend to get, they're getting booked up now up to a month ahead. So getting to see her is becoming a bit difficult. She's proving to, that's what happens when you have a popular service. Um, but patients seem to love it because it's, it's care closer to home. So they just have to walk to the end of the street or, you know, walk about 10 minutes to get to, get to see the physio. Um, and the pharmacists are now dealing with the medication queries rather than the GPs. Um, all the blood pressure management is now done by the pharmacist um, compared to what I used to do. I used to do blood pressures. Now what happens is a patient with high blood pressure will send them a text to say, can you send us your blood pressure reading? If they if they haven't got a blood pressure machine at home, they'll come to a reception and put their arm in a pod and that will give the reading and that will send it directly into our computing system. And if, if that's not good enough for the patient, then they'll get an appointment with the healthcare assistant. And then the healthcare assistant will talk to the farm assist about what to do if the blood pressure is high or changing medications so i'm not out of that picture but what i'm doing is i'm not i'm not working less and, and going to the golf course what i'm doing is now i can actually see more complex patients yeah. have more time for the patients so it's enabled me to spend half an hour with certain patients whereas i would only send about 10 minutes so using the diverse team members using technology better and actually the important resource that we forget is patients is their health we're here to facilitate their health. We're not here to actually do it for them. We're here to do it with them. Yeah, yeah. Very cute. Very so, cute words. <laughs> absolutely. So so it's it's involving them fully in their healthcare and selling them, this is your blood pressure. Let me help. Let me show you how you can manage it better. Uh, and that's actually been transformative in the last, especially, and that's all happened because of the pandemic. <laughs> that's all happened because of the triage system um, and, and the way we've changed. Because we've, so we've actually done quite innovation in, in, in general practice without, um, without, you know, without the big headlines. And that's, it's, it's, so it kind of, it's quite sad when we were talking about all these headlines of GPs not seeing face to face, but the primary care has come leaps and bounds in the last few years. And, uh, and I think we should retain a lot of that. And uh, as part of that, I'm, I'm having, I'm, I'm training a lot of uh, clinicians now within primary care. Um, so I'm, I'm a director of a pharmacist, GP organization, which trains and places um, pharmacists in primary care. And that's gone from about four pharmacists back in 2017 to now we've got just under 50 uh, across London and the Southeast. Um, and absolutely, and, and they've now become fully embedded within there. So we, we're just, our, our physio used to be with us only for two days a week. Now she's, she's we, we're gonna expand that to five days a week because it's proven really popular. <laughs> yeah it's a full-time role so and that's uh you know the idea again you mentioned this so i, I know this so when i was studying i think i was when i was studying some of these roles are not as familiar but it was as i was studying which is you know less than within the last four years i started to see sometimes i would go to the hospital uh i know my my sister and my siblings they picked up on it you go to the hospital you don't always see a doctor you would see an advanced nurse practitioner for example recently yeah. you know i'm aware of um fcp so you would go to a doctor and there's a probably, I think there's a triage system very far on where you may not need to see a doctor immediately because that may be more appropriate for an FCP, for a physiotherapist to yeah. see. 
you may be able to pre and I think the overarching thing is the education of people aware of these services. I think there was one argument that I was saying where, you know, in a perfect world, people would be aware of all these services and they would know where to go immediately, as opposed to needing that triage system, for example. Well, theoretically, if people knew exactly what they were supposed to go, for example, let me let's let me give a very physio example. You have some knee pain, you have some knee pain or hip pain. Okay. As opposed to saying, the first person I go and talk to, let, let me ring up my GP service and clog the lines for them, is you would say, oh, I have a hip pain, let me try and contact the physio service because I know that's what they specialize in. That is their area, muscular pains, mm. SMSK service. The perfect way they would know this and they would go there immediately. And that comes down to the education elements of it, which would, which is very lacking because I think some practices, which you know could be right or wrong, good or bad, is you know certain practices mm. will just immediately have yeah. automated telephone line saying, "If you have any joint pain or muscle pain, call contact the GP, contact your physio service, and they'll put that number there." Um, obviously, in a backlog system, it creates backlog for everybody. But in a perfect world, that would not be. I see that as a, a potential win. And then there's the option for. I literally have. I saw a patient. I had a patient today where I then thought she just came straight to me because of that uh, notion. And then I thought, okay, might not be my area. I might have to send you back to GP appropriately. But then there's so many others where, you know, it's, for example, I say let's take osteoarthritis as one of the more common pathologies we see a lot in aging population. Osteoarthritis yeah. can be very managed by a physio. I think a lot of physios are very, a lot of physios should be capable of managing osteoarthritis in, in, in joints. That necessarily doesn't need to go to see the GP, just for the GP to then refer you back to physio. You can see there's an extra step already that probably did not Absolutely. need to be taken. And that's a slot that can be taken. And that all stems to the efficiency of the system more uh, at its core. And what do you think of that? You know, you agree that in a perfect world, these services, education, what do you think is that lacking? I, 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 I think I think um, you, you you kind of hit it on the head actually. Basically, so NHS has changed; it's always changing, and and ch change is a good thing because that, that's how we evolve uh, and that, that's how we do things better as we learn. Um, so, and what we've got to take patients with us, um, and I'm I don't think we're doing that really well. What we need to be doing is actually engaging with the patients educating the patients about what services available within the NHS, within the GP practice, you know, who's there. The traditional notion of GP being there is just as the only clinician. It's no longer true, uh, as I said earlier. And so what we've done in our surgeries, we've got, so we call our receptionists patient assistants. So, uh, so that we don't, they're not called receptionists because what they're trained in, they're trained in various things as patient navigators. So they, they know when a patient calls or sends an online consultation, so, for example, if a patient calls about a contraception, they get booked with a nurse practitioner who is an expert at dealing with that. Um, and if a patient gets, um, you know, says something online consultation saying knee pain, they might say, "Is this good? To, is this suitable for our physio uh, service?" So they might ask our physiotherapist, "Is this, is this suitable for you?" Before it comes to the GP, even. Um, so there are. So they're already trained to actually navigate patients to the right service at the right time. So this means the patients are getting faster care. This is the advantage of the of the um, the triage system. So um, one of the things we're now trialing is even kind of pushing that further, taking the receptions out of that. So when the patient sends a, a online consultation or, or a telephone consultation with their, with their query, now I can, we have a system uh, called AccuRx where I can now, it's a new pilot we're trialing. I can send them a text with a link saying, you need a face-to-face -face appointment or you need a telephone appointment. These are the these are the dates and the times that are available for you. 
just book them. So the patient that clicks on it, goes in the link, and they can just book a time and a date that's convenient for them. That's even better. So you, you send your contraception query. We say, okay, you need an appointment with a nurse. And you don't even have to call or, you know, you don't have to queue up outside. You don't have to keep calling the surgery. You get a link saying this is what you've got to do. So, so there are lots of solutions to make this easier for patients and easier for us. So this means less telephone calls, less volume into our surgery. This means we can actually um, meet the unmet demand. There's a lot of unmet demand with, with, with the, the patients. Um, so, so I think, but all of that is patient. So that means a really good public health campaign. Uh, the government needs to launch a campaign saying, this is what your GP does. This is what a physio does in primary care. This is what a pharmacist does in primary care. Mm. And we can't do that without the government actually launching some of this. There's only so much that we can educate. Because um, mm. otherwise it would just seem like I'm trying to avoid work. Um, so it needs to be a coordinated effort by the government, by the GPs, by other NHS commissioners, and, and, and to say, look, this is what's available. This is what we're trying to do. This is how we're going to innovate rather than, you know, so there are lots of solutions already that we could do within the confines of what we got. Oh, so we don't actually need to be thinking about, um, oh. we don't need this animosity of, you know, GP seeing patient face to face and the very inflammatory headlines of GPs, um, someone dying because the GP's not seeing them. That, that, those are actually don't help patients. Actually, can be very fearful for patients yeah. because then they, yeah. they'll be scared of actually getting help. Yeah. And we, we don't want to stop them doing that. Yeah, it causes more uh, issues than it solves. I think this, that whole arc, you know, we're limited to time, but that whole arc is a very, very interesting aspect of it. And again, it's very important for you to know that these systems, you know, again, there's no perfect system. We don't live in a perfect world, unfortunately. Every It's not a perfect world, but there are better than other solutions. So some solutions are better. You can rank them. And these are things that are very interesting. I like that one you mentioned. I think that's a similar system. Actually, you, the one you just mentioned is the one my GP practice uses. I think it's that we said yeah. A something. It starts with A. Where Yeah, IQRX, yeah. Yes, that's the same similar one. And I found that system as a patient, not as a physio or as a clinician, as a patient, go on the website, log in. He gave me all the details. And, and I want to see a GP a little bit, popped in a little bit of note and booked a time slot that was available. And there was an available time slot within a reasonable time that I thought probably even quicker than sometimes prior in, in some other practices. And yeah. that's those discrepancies where some systems are working a little bit better than others. And it probably the ideal situation is to try and replicate those good stuff from one into the other set and kind of weed out the old, outdated, uh, inefficient systems overall, as opposed to a massive overall. Again, I'll say this coming from, I come from Nigeria, where healthcare systems mm. in other countries, it, the NHS is pretty pretty good, I'll be honest. Um, I'm looking yeah. at other country systems, it's pretty good and probably needs tweaking realistically. But I think an overhaul, completely changing the system will either, it's, it's, it's risky. And they may not lead to the desired effects you want. And then, you you know, when you go to one system, everyone knows as politicians, you have to double down on whether, whether it's right or absolutely. wrong. Absolutely. You double down on it and tell you this is, this I, is what we're doing with. I, absolutely. Kind of the other kind of talking of solutions as well. So, so I, I completely agree with you. So, you know, one thing is change is inevitable. So so none of us go to the bank anymore. So we, we do mobile all of our banking via apps. Um, and mobile phones are now more expensive than a than a laptop. Why? Because they actually let you do so many things. Um, and most of us can actually, you can actually conduct your whole life just using the smartphones. So things are changing and we need to change that. So there was a time when um, 
Apparently, back in the kind of 60s and 70s, the GP would go out um, to see a sick child with a cough and a cold at home. Right? It takes about one hour for a home visit. Um, and so, you know, that GP would have ended up seeing about six patients in the morning. Um, <laughs> so it's, 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 it's a, it's, and you can't do that now. Uh, it's, it's a completely outdated system and it's not very efficient. It's not very, no. and it's, it's not safe for anyone. So now we have, so we evolve as health systems and, and, and we evolve as humanity. So I think it's important that we do that. And the, but one thing I have to, I have to kind of really stress is there are lots of patients who are in digital poverty. So they might, have more smartphones or mobile phones, but their data, you know, they haven't got the right data. Um, they haven't got enough data, which runs out. And there are lots of people, older people, mental health, um, people, people with severe mental health illnesses, learning disabilities, who might not know how to use all these um, online initiatives. So what I think that the triage systems and then the online systems do is enable people like you to seek help in a different yeah. way. That frees up the phone lines. That but frees me up yeah. to spend more time with the more complex patients and but we also need to be looking at what are the solutions for these people who are in digital poverty and also digital illiteracy so what we need to be thinking about is how do we train them up so one of the things we do within our partnership is with our sister organization Bromio center does a lot of digital literacy classes for our local population and and work with advocates work with the social prescribing teams to actually get patients online teach them how to get online my my 79-year-old mom, who's, who's not great at speaking English, she calls me on Facebook Messenger. She sends me Facebook um, <laughs> memes and different type of things. Uh, she, she, you know, if she can be trained, I, I think I think there's hope for uh, all of us. Absolutely, I think you mentioned it very, very good. The good things that you brought up are very highlighted. A very key thing, the digital side of things as well, which is a very good consideration uh, overall. I know we have limited time, so I think we'll. We'll call it there. And we have, uh, it's been a very great podcast episode. I definitely learned a lot from this about the systems. And we think this conversation has been very helpful. And whoever listens to it will probably find it as helpful as well. Just understanding it because it all comes down to information and misinformation as that with anything and understanding what is really happening behind the scenes. And it's not as easy as you may think theoretically it sounds. Um, but much appreciated you for coming on, Dr. Silver. Um, yeah, I think it's been a great podcast episode. I'll do my outro in, in a bit. But do you have anything to leave, or shall we? Shall we leave it there for now? Absolutely. Now, it's, it's a, a, I've had a really good time uh, talking to you, and then uh, you know this has been really informative and and great discussion. Uh, thank you for having me today. No worries, brilliant. Well, hopefully, we'll have you some point in the future again to have another chat about another topic. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> happy to talk about anything. <laughs> take care of yourself. All right, take care, Farouk. Bye bye. I hope you enjoyed the podcast episode, but also make sure to subscribe to the Brooks Health Podcast on YouTube as well as the podcast so you don't miss another episode, but also follow us on social media at Rooks Health. Till the next video on the Rooks Health Podcast.